Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. All right, what's up, guys? What up, Josh? Hey, Paul. How we doing? <laughs> hey, you we're here. Paul Hodge with us. So tell us about those no socks. <laughs> Come on, no man, that was my lunch. <laughs> First thing we noticed about Paul this morning, he was uh, exquisitely dressed. Thank you, as yeah. always. And he's showing a little bit of skin <laughs> around the ankle around area. the ankle section. <laughs> so my question is, what do you call those? Is it no socks or is it? Little boy socks. No shows. <laughs> See, when, uh, when you're borderline heavy, <laughs> that, uh, that ankle breathing helps mm. with some of the sweating throughout the day. Paul <laughs> is a sweater. That's one thing I know about him. I Usually. understand. I'm a fellow sweater. There I got go. you. It's I in the you. jeans. Yeah. It's a sign of a leader. Yeah, that's right. All right well, <laughs> we're going to talk about leadership. So if you're a sweater, you're a leader. That's there one of the first go. principles. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I don't know what book we got that from. <laughs> David Goggins, I guess. That's right, yeah. <laughs> that guy doesn't know anything about leadership. He knows a, the, he knows a lot about push yourself pain. to limits that no one wants to go. He loves pain. Yeah, that's it. All right, so we have Paul Hodge on the show today. He's going to give us some insight uh, on leadership. So we're going to get to know him a little bit today and then uh, jump into our topic. So sorry, no take it or leave it. Um, not making an excuse for not having topics, but... It is much better getting to know Paul. Thank but you. that being said, listeners, you can send in more topics to help me out. I mean, I got to come up with like three every week. It's tough, you know. No excuses, but, <laughs> but a lot of excuses. today is a great excuse <laughs> to not have take it or leave it so we can get to know Paul. So, Paul, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? I'm originally from New Orleans. We moved over here about seven years ago to the North Shore. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. What part of New Orleans exactly for the those who may not know you? Gentilly. Gentilly. So if you're not from the area. That's a new one. Gentilly. Mm-hmm. Is that is a it? new area of New Orleans? It is not. It's in the heart of old New Orleans. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's there. The only reason why I know it is when we were first trying to figure out where we were coming, we were looking at the map of all these little sectors, mm-hmm. and I remember Gentilly. Mm-hmm. Is that West Bank? It is not the West Bank. Oh, I knew it. It's like right before Good you shot, cross though. over there, right? <laughs> No, it is, is like not. Near, is it near Gretna? Where's Gentilly? So, Matt, <laughs> good so, question. Uh, <laughs> let's not play fine. Where's Waldo? Let's just talk about where it's actually located. Um, you guys know where Brother Martin High School is at? You ever been past that? The locals know where that's at. I don't. Nope. All right, so you know where Lakeview is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so if you keep going. Um, Down so Causeway. Which way? East so, North Causeway, North. you take a left. Well, the other side oh, of Lake Lake was Mandeville. Yeah, so. that's right. That's <laughs> no, keep going. Um, well, it's down the road, right? It is down the road. We were talking about that with some uh, <laughs> violations. So you're you're really talking right before New Orleans East. Yeah, Gentilly. Oh, okay, gotcha. What they would consider. All right, and so y'all moved over here for what reason? Yeah, good question. So we were uh, visiting a local church. I had a friend of mine, uh, Nick Fiorito, would invite us. Uh, he lived over here. Who's actually the managing director of the office in New Orleans driving um, from Mandeville to New Orleans to manage the office that I was in, living in Lakeview. And we loved the area. We only knew one person over here besides Nick, which was my mother-in-law. Mm. Oh, nice. Shout out to Lisa. Um, and we felt a calling. 
it was on a whim. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we came to an Easter service, and Colby and I were on the causeway on the way home. And she looked at me, and she said, I really love the area, and I feel like we should be over here. And reflecting back for about six months before that, God was preparing us to make a move. Mm-hmm. That's uh, cool. And three days later, she found a rental, and we moved out of our house in Lakeview and moved to the North Shore. Nice. Is that when you started uh, Northwestern over here? It is. Okay. So there was an office off of 190. Uh, there was an advisor who was there. Ended up transferring to New Orleans right before we moved over here. Yeah. So uh, Richard Lyons and then Jason Navarre moved over here with us. Oh, yeah, Dickie. Number one fan of the show, actually. That's what, that's what he'll tell you, yeah. even though he hasn't listened in a while. <laughs> <laughs> super fan is what yeah, we call him, super, super fan. Now super we'll fan. see. When, he, when I get a text about this show, we'll see how long it took. Yeah, yeah. there we go. That's right. Okay, well, tell us a little bit about um, your testimony. Okay. Were you always a believer? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Good question. Uh, we, Good I would question. not call No it, idea. Yeah, uh, I would not call it a Christian home. Um, we were... Uh, what you would say, culturally uh, Catholic, mm-hmm. spiritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would go to church twice a year. Norm- ch- you were a cheater, Christmas and Easter. There we go. I was that. I was a, <laughs> sounds, sounds like a Cheeto, but um, we I, were those. That's not original to me. Somebody informed me that's what they called them. Right? There we go. Cheater. So we would go. You know, uh, my grandmother had pictures of Jesus on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, every now and then, we, you know, she'd mention Jesus normally when she was screaming at you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when I went to Holy Cross for high school, it was a, that was a God moment. I mean, my brother, um, I have an older brother. He's three years older than me. We grew up super poor uh, in an apartment over my grandmother's home. And I was begging my parents to send me to a private school. The schools that I was going to was not very good. Mm-hmm. Those kids that were pregnant in seventh grade, doing a lot of drugs. Mm. Uh, and even as a 13-year-old boy, like, I knew that I wanted to get out of that situation. My brother got in a car accident. Some people actually passed away, and uh, he was diagnosed with a, a frontal lobe injury, and there was some insurance money that he received, and he sent me to Holy Cross. Wow. And uh, I know that may not seem like it fits in the story, but it does because at Holy Cross, I felt like God was tugging on my heart. So just like every other football team that, that's a Catholic school, you'd go into chapel before the game. Somebody would read from the Bible, and you'd sit there and pray. Uh, but I always, talk, I always took that opportunity very serious because it was peaceful, mm-hmm. and I felt like God was kind of knocking on the door. Um, you fast forward that to uh, when my daughter was born, uh, which was seven, eight years ago in July, and I had a friend invite me to McDonald's, share the testimony with me, or share uh, the gospel with me and his testimony. And it started to unfold. He, he opened the gospel, and um, it was the first time that I ever started reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and So this was right before you moved to Mandeville? I'd say, yeah, about six months. Okay. And I remember sitting in church. It was a month before my daughter turned uh, one. And I just remember this feeling of hopelessness that if uh, God didn't step in my life, I would screw it up, screw up being a parent, lead my family. And uh, that same day, we walked out of church, my wife and I, and I'm you know, trying to be the manly man, mm-hmm. covering up the fact that I was just crying my eyes out. <laughs> and she looked at me uh, and my wife, Colby, and I, and I looked her in the eyes and I said, do you know what just happened in there? And she said the same thing that happened to me. And I said, what do you mean? What a big smile. Mm-hmm. She goes, um, I think I just made a decision to turn to Christ. And mm-hmm. I said, so did I. 
Wow. Yeah. So, we, so without knowing, because our eyes were closed, we made the decision together. Double salvation. That's good. Wow. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a cool story because it sounds like even from a young age, you were like God was going to have you as his own. It was just a matter of time. Like, I mean, how many kids grow up in a story like yours and go to a Catholic school and it resonates zero percent to them? Mm. But yet it seemed like you were just predisposed, like you were hungry for that. It just took a while for you to finally hear the gospel and become saved, but you were primed for mm. sure. Just like you're in your makeup is what it seems. So that's yeah. really cool. It is awesome to see God's providence. I often think, I always tell people, you can always see God's sovereignty looking in the rear view, you know? Mm. <clears throat> and just like looking back at your story, it's like Josh is saying, is God providentially was leading you toward where you are now, even when you didn't know it, even when you didn't even maybe want it at times. But here you sit, you know? I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. What's well, good? Uh, okay, so, and then a little bit of professional life. So, what do you do for a living? What does that look like? Um, how does your faith work into that, maybe? Just you can touch on that. Yeah, yeah. good question. So, just to kind of rewind for a second, you mentioned God's providence and things mm -hmm. happening in your life. Mm -hmm. So, I uh, was leaving Holy Cross, uh, had all the hopes of a high school sports player, right? I was going to go Division One. Um, I got injured a number of times. Looking back, I don't know if I had the talent anyway. Let's just be completely <laughs> uh, frank about this. And I ended up at Southeastern walking on. And I blew my forearm up. Line up. There we go. Line up. <laughs> Shout out. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> and I remember laying there having another surgery. So it was three surgeries in two years. From knee, shoulder, and now a forearm surgery. Yeah. Thinking, what am I doing with my life? Um, and then I went back and I broke it again. Jeez. And it was right around Hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I bring that up is because there's zero chance that I'm sitting here if that doesn't happen. And at the time, if you did try to convince me that God was working that for good, mm -hmm. I looked at you like you were nuts. Right, like if you would have been successful and injury-free, it would have been a completely different story. I'm a different man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm completely different. So... Um, with that being said, we were we evacuated my, my wife and I, I was my girlfriend at the time, everybody thought we were nuts, right, um, to Tampa, and we were going to go to uh, Central Florida, and then we got a phone call to come back to New Orleans to help raise my little sister. Mm. Uh, so we were kids raising a kid, and uh, I enrolled in the University of New Orleans, which was the number one university I said that I would never go to, <laughs> because it's in Gentilly. Yeah. And it's a block away from the home I grew up in. Mm. And I remember running the campus at night during wrestling yeah. season or football season going, this is a nice campus, but I'm never going to end up here. It's like you never want to go to the college in your hometown. Right. <clears throat> I was graduating with two degrees, and um, I knew I was ready to do something in mm. business. Obviously, I had two degrees in business, but I had no clue what I was going to do. And the old managing director out of New Orleans, Mark LaGrange, walked into one of my uh, marketing classes and started to talk about this opportunity. And I went in for an interview, and the guy doing the interview was Nick Fiorito, who was my best friend in high school's older brother's best friend. <laughs> and we connected it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he was actually one of the guys that shared his testimony and the gospel with me. I was thinking that, yeah. So nice. he, he helped lead me to Christ. So yeah. I'm in there, and um, I, he had me hook, line, and sinker, right? He was dressed nice, 
speech pattern different than mine. Drove a Mercedes. Come on. Right. As a 23-year-old kid, I was thinking, this guy's got it. Right. Uh, and I had some success as an intern, uh, and I had the opportunity to go full-time as an advisor right after I graduated. Okay. That's awesome. And that's Northwestern Mutual, mm -hmm. for those who don't know or didn't pick up on that. Um, so you've been doing that for how long now? It's going on 13 years. And you own, it's not a practice, it's a, you own a, what do you call it, franchise? Uh, we don't call it franchises, uh, but it's, I mean, you could look at it. It's the easiest way to explain it. So we right. have a, a wealth management team uh, in Varsity Wealth, and then I'm the managing director of the Northwest Mutual on the North Shore, mm -hmm. Mandeville. So how many people would you say, and I'm trying to get into our topic here on leadership, sure. how many people do you lead? Give or take 20 to 25 people at any point in time. Okay, so you'll have a lot of insight on that, and we knew you would, mm -hmm. and and definitely you can speak to how that the gospel has influenced that leadership over the years absolutely and that so yeah cool and we're excited to have paul on for a lot of these reasons is you're a christian guy leading people in a secular world so how does that you know shape and take place in a secular world and some of the ups and downs and all the things of that because you know we have a lot of experience with leadership but most of it is in the christian world as a pastor as a counselor now as campus outreach and all that stuff um so it'll be. I think you'll get bring a great perspective to people who who work, or maybe they lead in the secular world as Christians. So, so I'll jump into our chapter. Yeah. So we're in chapter seven. Insights on leadership from Peter. Last week was Paul. And, right. And this week we tried to we tried to get you last week, but we couldn't. So we missed the week of Paul. So now Paul's on with Peter. Well, let's be clear. <laughs> if you watch the chosen, you're more of a Peter. I'm probably more yeah. of a Peter. I mean, Paul hasn't entered yet, but yes, exactly. Yeah. I can resonate with Peter a good bit. Yeah. I love, uh, the last episode of season one, uh, Jesus is, they're like worried about their, they're going to Samaria and they're like, no, they're going to like beat us up. And Jesus is like, Peter got us. Like, <laughs> And Peter's just like ripped, like he does look pretty fit <laughs> and tan. Yeah, yeah there you go. Well, this one starts off. Let's read our verse that this uh, chapter is about. All right, you're the as best our, reader, Chaz. Yeah. So you read it as a Emma. <laughs> I don't. Know. I'll take it if, if you think so. <laughs> I don't think so though. First Peter five one through seven says to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness to Christ's sufferings and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. So these are Peter's insights to leadership. Um, and we see a lot of the similarities from uh, what Paul wrote to Timothy in First Timothy and a lot of different things we've talked through. But we see a lot of these same things, right? Being shepherds, suffering, um, uh, not being greedy for money, be a servant, not lording over, right? Being examples. We talked a lot about this so far throughout this, that people, uh, 
catch more of who you are. You know, you're always discipling someone in something. It just depends on what you're discipling them because people are going to emulate who you are more than what you say. Yeah. So I think we can start off like looking at just who Peter is. Like, this dude made some mistakes. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) I mean, denied Christ three times right after he said he would never deny him. Cut a dude's ear off. Cut his ear off right in front of Jesus. Like, Sorry, and put it back on. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus had to fix it. Jesus had to fix it. <laughs> he fixes our mistakes. Um, but the point is now he's writing as the the rock of mm-hmm. Christ's church. Uh, yeah. and 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 encouraging those to um, to do what we're about to talk about. But mm-hmm. he does it as a fellow elder, not as you know, talking down mm-hmm. to anybody. He does it with humility. But I just love that he does it in light of all his obvious flaws and mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so not to for anyone to be discouraged of their past, like right. God can use you and wants to use you. Right. Usually like not in spite of your past, but like because of your past. Because oh, yeah. what a great testament to God working rather than mm-hmm. than you working. And lessons that you would learn throughout all that for yeah. sure. I mean it's much um, I don't want to say better, but it's always great to hear a story of someone's transformation and mm. see what God's doing in them now. So For sure. <clears throat> yeah, and he says when he talks about fellow elders, he talks about not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. And I think it's super important. Uh, leadership is not something that you have to do. It's also not a right. Even if you're you get a job as a boss, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a leader, even if your position says leader. You're more of a manager. Is, yeah, leadership something completely different, something that you do out of character. Um, and so speak to that a little bit, Paul, as you're thinking through, uh, you're coming over, what kind of started your opening and launching Northwest Mutual over here? Because that's, that's when you became like kind of figurehead of this over here, correct? Well, I would tell you, first thing, Peter gives me a ton of, just hope. Hopefully yeah, it should do sure. the same for all of us. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of those figures in the Bible that you look back and it's a lot easier to see what he did uh, when he started to learn from his mistakes, but we mm-hmm. should go back to what he had to go through mm-hmm. to get there. And I had similar situations. I didn't cut anybody's ear off, not that I know of, but mm-hmm. um, I, w- I was asked to be in leadership my first year in business. Okay. It was to be the college unit director for uh, New Orleans which was basically mentoring and training uh, college students to be advisors at UNO, Tulane, and Loyola. And I realized fairly quickly I was in a, a pretty you – know, I was in over my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I screwed a lot of things up. At that point, I wasn't a believer. And I tried to lead uh, almost the exact opposite of what Peter talks about right here. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I did realize from my early age in leadership and even before that when I was playing sports is that the leader um, was the person that was willing. Mm. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about sacrifices. He talks sure. a lot about um, money. He talks about being an example. But it was the person that was willing to make the changes to be the person that uh, you needed to be to lead the people around you. Mm-hmm. So when I moved over here, uh, I'd already got some of the mistakes out of the way, but we still make a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so willing to move to a city where we only knew one person besides my mother-in-law 
um, and willing to take an office, which we, we would call in Northwestern Mutual a scratch office. So most managing directors step into an established office, been established for 50, 60, 70 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people would look at it like it's nuts because you're um, truly starting something from scratch. Right, like mm-hmm. you got no residual clients that are going to help you when things are low, like you're... Mm-hmm. All faith. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand that. We can all relate to that. That's right. <laughs> so it's just a willingness to, to go where you're called. Right. That's so good because so, so many times people think it's merit-based. And mm-hmm. it is, like, there are certain merits, as, as Peter's talking about now, like, we need to have and we need to build up. But before merit, I believe, is the willingness. And, yeah. Um, I think, you and know. Faith. You, Faith's a strong, you said that, it's a strong piece. Heard John Piper, I think, said it one time that the safest place to be is in God's will, but it doesn't always look safe. You know, so and we and we can all talk about that in in our various <laughs> lives right now, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't seem smart to start in Northwest Mutual from scratch. It doesn't seem smart to move to a state you've never even visited and start a church, or start a a biblical counseling ministry, or or go to a campus. You know, just you and your wife, and start campus outreach like from scratch, not not having like predisposed things or or already a movement happening that you can step into. But what I love about that, and a lot of times God always calls us to do things in that way. I mean, we look throughout the Bible. Look at Abraham. We can just go down the list. Look at Noah. You know, mm. never even rained before, and he's got to build an ark. Abraham, go to this place I'm going to show you when you get there. <laughs> you know, just move your whole family and just start walking, you know. Well, and Moses is a good example of someone who tried to yeah. prevent. Like, no, God, I'm not I'm not able to do that. Right, exactly. I'm not capable of right. doing that. He's like, you're going to do it. I'll take your boy Aaron because you're a wimp, I guess. Yeah. You know, do it. <laughs> but God totally comes down. I'm like, dude, who made the mouth? Like, right. I did. Like, you'll be fine. Right. Go. And then he puts, you know, they come out and they're sitting next to the Red Sea with, the enemy bearing down the back, like, all right, we got nowhere to go. <laughs> and then we're going to part the sea, like, all right. <laughs> what I what I would I would want to uh, bring up there is that uh, we tend to think about the godly figures in the Bible, but think about the the things that were going on around them. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned before being in the world but not of the world. Mm-hmm. Being, so we're set apart as a church. We mm-hmm. talk a lot about that a lot on Sundays. Uh, but thinking about the people around me and the people around some of these uh, people we just discussed from the outside looking in, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Sure. Financially. And Peter talks about the money side of it. Mm-hmm. Financially, it's not a good move. It was yeah. not a good move. I was at the peak at that time uh, of my personal practice. The managing partner was in the middle of building out uh, a massive office and all this uh, space for a team. You'd have been set to just stay there, and I mean, it was it was beautiful. It was a beautiful. I mean, and I had to go to him in the middle of construction. He was spending a lot of money. That was one of the toughest discussions I've ever had. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, "I can't take that office." And he was pretty frustrated. He's like, <laughs> "I built it for you. You asked for it." Um, and I asked to go in a cube, and that was about six months before we made a decision to come to the North Shore. I didn't know why. Um. Oh, if you'd have taken that position, it would have been extremely difficult to to come to Mandeville. But you didn't know that at the time. I did not. Wow. I just knew I couldn't step into that office. So what does it mean to go into a cube? It means that, and so usually when you hit a certain level after mm-hmm. your first year of having some success, you have a you have an office. Mm-hmm. It's not a cubicle yeah. setting. Yeah. 
It's like a glass case of emotion. It was literally <laughs> like that. It was like a fishbowl is what we call it. it was, uh, many days I had a glass case of emotion. They probably thought you were out of your mind at that point. Huh? It was a, it was a lot of, of, of those looks. I was like, why is this guy doing this? And quite frankly, I didn't know. Right. Yeah. I'd go home. I was a bit confused in a way that... Like what's going through your mind? Help walk us through what... what yeah, I'm sure there's time, a lot of people out there wanting to make... Yeah. Or needing to make a decision yeah. like this, you know, let them know they're not crazy. Because it, it sparks <laughs> it sparks my curiosity, so I imagine people listening are yeah. curious too. Because you don't know that you want to go across the lake yet. I don't. You don't have even the dream of starting a scratch office. You're being built a whole wing for yourself and a team, and you decide you want to go into a cubicle. What's like? What's moving through your head at that point? Uh, well, we were praying a lot. This mm-hmm. was. Uh, a point where God was tugging at, at a, a high level. Uh, and what was going through my head was, uh, I just want to be in the center of God's will. And I just could not believe, it, it felt a lot of self. When they were building that office and mm-hmm. I stepped into it, because I would wait for the construction guys to leave, right? <laughs> and I was uh, spending time looking up this really expensive furniture. Yeah. And um, you dream, go, dream. You walk around your chest out. You know, yeah, feeling good about nobody's it. around, and <laughs> the thoughts that were going through my head was all about me. Yeah, and when it was just me and God, there was some conviction there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many times that people have a gift of leadership and they choose not to do it because we get in front of ourselves. It, we make it about ourselves and not others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I realized is that I could do it, but I was going to go down that path. And that was the path that I've tried to go down before. And it's a lonely path. Mm-hmm. So, Well, it's great because it makes uh, Peter's warning so relevant where he says, um, uh, not because you must, but because you're willing, mm-hmm. not greedy for money, but right. eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you. And it was funny that he says greedy for money back right then because, like, those leaders back then were not getting paid to lead the church. Mm-mm. Like, we we talk about this. They were, like, under threat of death and, mm-hmm. and crucifixion. And so, like, who? what is he talking about, greedy for money? That is very relevant to us because leadership now attracts a lot of... But if you look throughout the history of the, even the Jew, like, priests, you know, you look at, like, judges and some stuff, they, you know... Yeah, so if he's speaking to Jews, they get it. Yeah, everybody bringing stuff to you. Like, you start to, the position of power. Yeah. You know? That's a good point. It's interesting that he says that, and it's interesting that he doesn't say, be willing to be poor. He doesn't say this. It's not greed for money, but eager to serve. Which implies that money is attached to pride and selfishness and power. So he doesn't say, he he says, don't be greedy for money. He doesn't say you're not allowed to have money. I'll be greedy for it. He addresses and then the be heart eager to serve. and the motivation right? around it. And in leadership, that's such a great principle that our our job as leaders is primarily to love and serve those who we're leading. Mm-hmm. It's not to be it's not to be the man. It's to be the person who's serving everyone else. And you know, I I want to go on record here because we're in this podcast. Yeah, is exactly. that we we screw mm-hmm. it up all oh, day long? Absolutely. Um, and it, you said speak to the people that may are uh, mm-hmm. having some same uh, decisions to make in front of them. Be faithful with a little bit mm-hmm. and take it day by day, minute by minute, because you're going to screw it up. But that's the beautiful side of the gospel is that he's already forgiven you for it. Yeah, for uh, sure. And just repent. 
because human nature is going to say, well, what if I did make that decision to keep that office? Where would I be? Mm-hmm. How much more money would I have? Sure. Um, and just take it piece by piece. So, so now switch to, okay, now you're coming over here and you're starting this office. Mm-hmm. What was your mindset of leadership at that point? I, I and look, I, we could say holy moments. I do remember mm-hmm. sitting in an office where we were off of 190 and praying and saying, "God, just send them, mm-hmm. send some people to us," because uh, I was, I, we had a huge mountain to climb. So my thought was, okay, we made the move, God. Um, now what? Um, <laughs> right. We need some manna. We need some manna. <laughs> uh, and I was blessed to have some people that I'd poured into and I was close with, like Dickie and Jason, mm-hmm. both extremely great leaders, um, to come with me. So it wasn't like I was on an island. Yeah. Uh, so we relied on each other. That's good. And have a team, a team of people. One of the first things that he says here in the chapter, and I think this will um, speak to a lot of like what you're thinking through now, but this is speaking in a spiritual context, but I think it can be applied to the secular as well. But he says, see that your flock of God is properly fed and cared for. Peter urges that in 1 Peter 5, 2. Such is a shepherd's primary responsibility. In in these words, we can hear the resonance of Peter's never-to-be-forgotten interview with Jesus after his failure. The the conversation that restored him and assured him of Jesus' continuing love and care in John 21, 15 through 22. So the first role, job, we've kind of alluded to it, is to, as a leader, is to feed or to shepherd our flock. Now, rightly understood, he's talking primarily about those who are elders in a church and feeding by the word of God, properly preaching, expositing scripture to his people. But... The people that we're doing that, leading that to, are people in our congregation who are also leaders in business mm-hmm. and in other areas. And so, how do you take that same idea of your faith and and that idea of shepherding and guiding the people that you work for? How do you disseminate that information or process that as as kind of the head guy over there at Northwest Mutual? Well, I would I would say this. Look, we deal with money all day long, mm-hmm. so it's one of these industries. Um, where all of the warnings that Jesus and the disciples give about money, mm-hmm. we have to heighten because we're yeah. dealing with literal dollars all day long. Right. When it comes to people that we're leading, um, that we're blessed to, to have with us, the, the number one thing that I think people need to realize is that if you're in a leadership position, like you said, man, it's most likely a management position, mm-hmm and you're trying to use somebody and you don't actually care for them, they're going to figure it out pretty quickly. So to be able to live that out is to care for them Mm -hmm. on a human level. Mm -hmm. Now, that's opposite or conflicting to most leadership books that you'll read that are written by the world. Now, this one's inspired by the gospel, so it's a little different. Right. Uh, Some of the leadership books are starting to use some of the principles out of the Bible, most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to practically do that for our guys is spending time with them and explain to them that you do care. Because what we do is not the easiest. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of personalities you have to deal with, mm-hmm. a lot of ups and downs. And you just give them a safe place. Right. Um, and we, you know, we talk about all kinds of things in our office. We have people that uh, have issues uh, where people get sick in their family, kids, um, 
that are new to the family? How do we navigate those things? So I think just think meet them at a practical level and then give them the tools to be successful, mm-hmm. removing obstacles. Mm-hmm. More times than not, leadership is about helping people remove obstacles out of their life and their business yeah. so they can use the talent that they already have. Right. Yeah. And then it. praying for them. Mm-hmm. One of my mentors uh, out of Alabama, he did a leadership conference that he led godly man love him with all my heart and the thing he opened up with first is before everybody gets in the office go to their individual offices and pray by name for each person that you lead it's mm, good and that'll orient your heart in the right way yeah yeah it's really good what well, speaks to um this idea of as a shepherd and as a leader you need to be in tune with the the people you are leading their needs um and when you are concerned with your own success, your own affirmations, because you're insecure, because you're greedy, you're going to focus on yourself more than their own mm-hmm. needs. So it, that's why greed is so bad. That's mm-hmm. why the uh, the fear of man is so bad, because you're focused on that more than those you lead, and mm-hmm. their needs are more important. Right. And so it, it's, it's just the why behind it, you know. And I want to hit on something that you said a little bit earlier, Paul. Just it made me. I feel like we should say this is true leadership in a godly way is is one of stewardship, right? Like Christ mm-hmm. is He's the head of all of us, Correct. and so you going into your office with the mentality of these are the people that God has given me as a stewardship to invest in them, love them, help them, care for them, care for their lives as well has helped them be successful in their careers if this is what God has for them too. That I, that mentality of stewardship creates a heart of servantship or servanthood because it, you have to do that with humility because you realize that God's in charge, you're not mentality. Whereas in in a lot of secular mindsets is, you know, it's all about the bottom line and you're the boss and and so yeah, you you'll get along with your coworkers as long as they're <laughs> they're contributing to what you're trying to do, but you won't care with, about them much past that in that regard. And think about how weighty that is mm-hmm. uh, as a leader to have to walk in. And, and, and I've, I've had those moments. I love what Paul says mm-hmm. at the, bo- the bottom of that verse where he says, cash your anxieties. And you start thinking about what does he mean by that? Why, why, why is Peter saying cast your anxieties on God? Mm. Well, as a leader, there's going to be certain burdens that you bear that other people don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Right. But God Absolutely. knows about them. Absolutely. Uh, and we have to be able to be humble enough to say, hey, those things are going to pop up, and I know where to go with it. Because mm-hmm. what you never want to do when you're in a leadership position, and I've screwed this up, mm-hmm. um, is go to the people that you're leading and let some of that, and you mentioned insecurity, anxiety, bleed off on them. Right. right. Yeah. That doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Because you make a great point. I think a lot of things that one of the, we've talked about on here, I think a lot of reasons why people shy away from stepping into the role of leadership is the weightiness of the responsibility. Right. Like people who are arrogantly going into it have no idea what leadership truly takes. Right. But if you're really serving your people, the weightiness that you have as a boss in, in the secular world, uh, we have a huge weightiness as elders of a church and stuff too, but you you have to make sure that the whole company is successful so that everyone can keep a job. <laughs> and people don't, I don't think a lot of your employees probably even 
think that way, right? They're just showing up trying to get their like job Like, you're done. worried about their finances, too. Their personal finances, right. too. Because if the company's not doing well or something's not going well, then they don't get to stay. They don't get to have a career or whatever. Would that be... That's accurate. Accurate. I would say this. So you also... Um, to go back to what you just said, the awareness, what you open yourself up to in leadership. Mm-hmm. What we see in the world today is they've created this uh, this thought of leadership. If I get to this spot, I'll make the money, I'll have the fame, people will know me. Right. Right? That's what we see on <laughs> right. Facebook and Instagram and right. all these social media. Then I can be a motivational speaker and run around and just talk to people i don't have to lead anybody I'll, yeah I'll do i'll tell everybody else how to lead people right so i call it the idea of leadership not actual leadership I right? like people, that. Yeah, yeah. it's a romance right mm-hmm. and, and, sure. and and what i would tell you well a couple things I, I was talking to one of the guys in our office yesterday about this and uh i'm not gonna say a name but he said you know paul i want to be famous that was the words that came out of his mouth and he's a strong strong guy and i let him talk for a bit and he said, what do you, th- do you think that comes from God putting it in me? Or do you think it came from me? Mm. And I want to make sure I don't use the person's name. <laughs> I said, well, hey, bud, um, the thing that I've noticed is that when we honor God in the small interactions, in the small things, when we plow the field that he gave us, even if it's a small field, yeah. if it's showing up to the office on time, respecting our clients, respecting the people in the office, what I've seen just from looking back down the road he's brought me down is that he's expanded that influence, but your heart had to be in the right place. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing these things out of a thought of, if I do this, God will give me that, that's not leadership and that's not being a good steward of what God has given you. Right. Um, and I said, very. he may make you famous, but I personally believe God's not going to make a believer famous to have him be destroyed from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And the only reason why he would make a believer famous would be for to bring God glory. But yeah, yeah. If you have the idea of like I want to be famous, you're probably already starting on the wrong foot. Yeah, or (laughs) he could be handing you over to your own sinful desires, so that that's part of it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Romans will uh, hit you with that one. Yeah, it's a little bit scary. But when you said that just now, I do want to say this. Um, It's a it's a pull, right? So you have dynamic business people mm-hmm. that step in with big goals and big dreams mm-hmm. and very quickly I, I believe the enemy can slip in and try to convince you that a thought a prideful thought mm-hmm. is from god meaning you're talented you're special and i i felt some of it my first year i won a ton of awards mm-hmm. people were patting me on the back and i was convinced i was the best financial planner in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> And what I realized like I'm fairly a, I'm quick, on the road writing a book, baby. Oh, I was right. <laughs> Man, I had all the chapters in, in my head already. I had the name of the book. Yeah. <laughs> and what I realized fairly quickly was a shallow pool to play in. Mm-hmm. And when things got tough, none of those people were patting you on the back. Right. People have short memories. Oh, yeah. Um, when they create those awards to incentivize you to keep going, you know, because mm-hmm. if they can, you know. And, I mean, there's it's mutually beneficial for sure. But, um, yeah, you got to read through between the lines and realize you know what they're actually for. right and really what you're talking about there is the difference between having one god or 
having idols of other gods, money, power, fame, fortune, all that stuff that can creep in. And it's easy to creep in on all of us because all of us have sin and pride, right? And we have to constantly check that and make sure that God's in his proper place. We say a lot around the counseling world around here, biblical counseling, that um, idols, they promise everything and then they take away everything. So a lot of times, you said it best, and we've seen this in our culture with celebrity pastors and businessmen and celebrities and everything where they get to a certain place where everybody's, everybody's patting them on the back and everybody's cool, and then they fall. They have some sort of mistake. They make a choice, a sinful choice, and then everybody turns on them and destroys them and their life gets destroyed. And I think that's, that's the way of idolatry. It's the way of Satan is, is to puff up, build up to the point of where, you, where everybody can see and then humiliation on top of it. But I believe Jesus uh, models that for us on how to combat that. Absolutely. In a way that I see that model. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to Ridgeland mm-hmm. on Friday to speak to an office. And the name of uh, what I want to talk to them about is if they love you, they'll tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus had around him, not that he needed to hear the truth, but the people around him did, the disciples, yeah. is to have people around you that are rooted in the word mm-hmm. and in faith that can tell you the truth. Right, and are not impressed by you. Correct. <laughs> Maybe they'll pat you on the back and tell you they love you because they truly love you, but they're also going to be the person that pat you on the back and tell you, tell you when you're not doing something right. right. Like, hey, mm-hmm. Paul, you're screwing this one up, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah this true. is obvious. It's true. Uh, yeah, I say that all the time. Is uh, For me, I use the example, I know that I have the capability of sinning. Mm. So the key to me being able to be a faithful elder and not get caught up in sin is to first and foremost understand that I am capable of that because that makes me aware and it makes me make choices that doesn't get near it. And then, like you said, it's having an inner circle of godly men who, who love me and care about me and they're not impressed by me just to point out if they see something going on in me, you know. That's the way to stay safe as a leader, especially if God gives you more influence. Because you start getting off alone, start to believe in your own hype a little bit, you know, that's when you're you're destined for a fall. And I've read some leadership books on this, and it, I know it doesn't speak to the one we're in. Maybe it does. Um, but one of the tools of the enemy is to um, put you in a room by yourself. Mm-hmm. Seclusion. Isolation. It, isolation, there you go, better word. When leaders start to isolate themselves, People tend to think if you're a believer, it's isolating yourself from others. Mm -hmm. But what will happen when you isolate yourself from others, you start isolating God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because fellowship with other believers is a, that's how we, we worship God in that context. We're called to that. So when we isolate from that, that's Mm -hmm. a huge piece of the pie that we're not engaging with God in. He says here in uh, page 49, He's talking about 1 Peter 5, 5 that we read earlier. The leader must be clothed with humility. The verb refers to a slave's tying on a white apron, which gives this verse an added note of meaning. Was Peter recalling the sad night when he refused to take the towel and wash his master's feet? Would pride keep other leaders from joyful service? Pride ever lurks at the heels of power, but God will not encourage proud men in his service. Rather, he will oppose and obstruct them. 
But to the under shepherd who is humble and lowly in heart, God will add power and grace to the work. So it's just that idea of James uh, 4. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Man, just starting out with I need God. I'm not in charge. He is. How can I steward and manage the people and the influence that he's given? And like you said, how can I be faithful with the little, do really well to to be God-honoring in this little bit? And He'll, if he wants you to have more influence, you'll have more influence. Chet, everything you just read is so counterintuitive to what you hear all day long. We started oh, sure. this podcast by talking about some people that push through pain and mm-hmm. it's all about self and how do we how do we um how do we do it ourselves mm-hmm. and that's not what god's saying mm-hmm. absolutely it's about trusting him when going through. back to like the willingness like if that the faith and the willingness like that's most important and i want to encourage people on here like if if they're in a spot where that's what they're missing like they're looking for am i adequate no are you willing? The reason why that's the defining uh, characteristic is because that's how God gets most glory. Mm-hmm. When you're not adequate for the task, that's when God gets glorified. Right. And so it just, if you can, like God wants to use you, not because you're special, because he wants to use you to make himself look better so that more people mm-hmm. come to know him. Absolutely. And so that's why you have to be willing. It's not about you. It's about God's glory. And that ties in pride. So you think yeah. about why are people not willing to go there for God is because they're worried about looking like fools. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the biggest breakthroughs I've ever had in my life in leadership is I paid a coach to interview the three closest people to me. And he asked some pretty tough questions. And I remember being in an airport to go meet this coach, going to spend the weekend with him. And I had to listen to my wife, my friend Nick, talk about my blind spots. And I remember sitting there feeling just... When did you do this? This was probably my fifth year in business. Way before I got over here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But reflecting back, it's the willingness to even put yourself in that position to hear it. Because it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to hear. Well, that's what we've been challenging listeners to do starting last week. And we're going to continue on with this. Is ask some hard questions to people who know you best. And, and get those answers. But it is, it's tough to do if you ask someone face-to-face. They're probably going to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are, like, you paid a coach. That's great. What are some other ways you can elicit this, like, constructive criticism from people? I'm sure you have, like, some tips. I've had a, a friend of mine send me an email with some specific questions. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, yeah. look, I'm trying to grow in these areas. Yeah, email is a great way to do it, for sure. That way it's not confrontational. Right. Um, I would do that. I mean, I don't know if a voice recording would be something if somebody's not prompting the questions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think having specific questions is key. Yeah. You know, because you don't want it to also be like they're mad at you that day, so they're just dragging you through the mud. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but, you, you know, you go back to pride and, and the the willingness to look foolish for god we talk about peter and you know you once again i go back to the chosen i just love it but it's like man that guy's got some pride but ultimate pride did he have because he was willing to to drop what he was doing and go follow a man who was saying that he was the son of god and look like a fool to everyone else Mm -hmm. so at some level it wasn't i mean he had some pride but was it deep rooted sinful pride yeah you know? Right, he was using it because it's all he had to to provide for himself and his family and his ima, 
and then God, God used that pride and, and turned it around and used it for good. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that you said earlier that I'd be curious, Paul, um, especially for those who work in the secular world or maybe lead in the secular world, you said it's, everything we just read is counter to everything you hear all day. So in your opinion, what are like the top few things, few messages that you're battling, that people are battling every day in the real world, in the secular world, about leadership, like falsehoods or the things that you're being taught that you should think that are counter to what the Word of God says? So they, I love the ending of that with the Word of God. So you kind of slip that in at the end. <laughs> because if you're not a believer, then what we're talking about is not going to resonate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you just said, Josh, is that uh, have, feeling like you have to have it all figured out. Yeah. Now I would tell I would say this. Um it's just like reading the word is that you should want and pray and thirst for it. And when you become a leader, if you if you truly want to be a, a strong leader, mm-hmm. you should want to go seek knowledge. Sure. You should thirst to get better um for the people around you. Mm-hmm. So the counterpoint what you're hearing all day long is you have to be the man you have to be the woman to be the leader you got to be the best the best at everything and what i would say is most of the examples that i see in the bible mm-hmm. he's calling people that are flawed right deeply flawed yeah. up front but then he equips them mm-hmm. afterwards after they were willing to do it yeah so what i've found is that when i stepped in i mean all the thoughts come in right all the insecurities yeah. come up but then you, ha- you have a, a certain humbling where it's like, it's not me, it's God. Mm-hmm. But we still have to take steps in the right direction and sacrifice to go learn these things. Mm, right. So one, it's it, the world saying, hey, you got to be the best to go do this. Uh, and another thing you're battling is, uh, like I said, the romance of leadership. <laughs> uh, so many times people think uh, the wealth, um, they think that the the title i've had people talk to me in a different manner than they talk to some of the other people in our office because they think that i'm their boss mm-hmm. right in our structure it's a little different we partner with our advisors um but what people don't realize is the things they don't see yeah right for the longest time i'm the person making sure there's toilet paper in the bathrooms mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's not that sexy <laughs> right <laughs> right so that's counterintuitive to what yeah. the world's thinking a leader does for yeah. sure for sure. Yeah, the amount of hours putting into thinking through things that nobody else is thinking about. Um, like you said, things that no one will ever see. And uh, I agree with you in that regard of the... I think you, you, you talk about the romance of it. People like to be treated like they're the boss, like they're the man, like they're something special. The money, all that stuff is enticing. But is any of that ever explicitly said, or is it more of a... That's something you're battling. It's like an unsaid thing that everyone's thinking or battling. Or are there like seminars and books saying like this is what you should be pursuing? And what do you mean by that? Like that thought of the romance of leadership, like being the man, you feel like that's just in the pride of every person. They're thinking that way that they have to battle personally. Or is that actually being taught somewhere? If you get in front of a non-believer, it's taught. That's that's what I was asking. And it's so scary. Yeah. I've had somebody look me in the eyes uh, is in a very strong leadership position mm. and said part of the reason why I really wanted this and I keep it 
this piece of my ego. Mm. And when I heard it, one, I, I was thankful that he told me the truth. Mm-hmm. But then it got a little scary. Yeah. Because then you start realizing the decisions that are made and the way they're made or the way they've made it over the number of years mm-hmm. was ego-driven. Selfishly motivated. Yeah. Selfishly motivated. Yeah. Well, it like brings up the point like people, people will either follow you because it represent you represent what they can have, you know, greed or applause of man, or they're following you because it's a godly holiness that they see and and desire. Ultimately, that's why you want people following you. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're being the man and people are following you, it's because they want to be the man. It's their sin that's a, that's that's attracted to your sin. But if you're just seeking out holiness through the word, then people are going to follow that, and that's the people you want following you. Mm-hmm. So, and you just nailed it. This is something that everyone needs to hear. We have a sound effect for when I nail it. Nail, yeah. dink. We've never put one in because it's never happened. Dink. Before. I just did it. You didn't hear me. That's. I just got part of the of, part of the it's podcast like a, moving forward. Dink. A penny in the pot. Yeah. yeah. Pennies. But you nailed the the point that. If you're gonna if you're gonna do this thing, and and you're gonna fight daily to do this God's way, then you got to be okay with some uh, some people not being okay with it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because what you just said, your spirit, God living inside of you, is gonna offend some people mm-hmm. because you're not willing to make or stretch or go in a gray area where some other people think it isn't a big deal. Because mm-hmm. they're fighting to be the man or the woman and, the, and to win an award where you're not willing to do that. And trust me, from stepping out of the person willing to do it mm-hmm. early in life to the person not willing to do it. And look, I screwed up. I'm sinful. Sure. I've seen it upset people. Mm-hmm. We, we, we talked about it in, in church the other day. I mean, he came. There's going to be it's going to be some division. Uh-huh. And when you're in a leadership position, it shines a light on that. It emphasizes it. So now all of a sudden it went from two or three people not being upset with your decision to 25 people being upset with your decision. Because mm-hmm. it's not the easiest path to go down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I could see that. Being like, oh, Paul, he's this, that, and the other because he won't. I mean, everybody does it. Like, gosh, he's super christian guy can't you know we're not gonna make the money we can make we could so on and so forth i could see that going but the one or two people who are inspired by that and it and it mm. drives them to holiness then uh, that's that's the kingdom that's the mustard seed that's slowly growing the leaven that's slowly growing mm-hmm. through the flower is that gospel message that's spreading as yeah the other thing that makes me think of is how do you try to implement the right message with your entire office. What made me think of this, I know you have a Bible study weekly, just things like that. How do you how do you guys try to cultivate an environment to where it's normal to think from a Christian perspective? Well, we are who we hang out with. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, we started this thing talking about uh, God's providence in his hand. Mm-hmm. And I could have been a statistic and I should have been a statistic yeah. by every measure of the world. Uh, but what I've realized is God's put good people around me. And what we try to do is live that out. So we've had a mentor say, uh, preach the gospel daily, and if you must, use words. Mm-hmm. Meaning trying to live that out with them every day and then model it. Hey, guys, we're going to 
myself and some of our key leaders, we're going to go walk a block and go to this Bible study. You're welcome to come if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that loving side of it, the patient side of it. Man, I'm not the pa- most patient person. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure my wife's going to listen to this and she's going to laugh at this point. <laughs> um, but I'm a whole lot more patient than I was before. Sure. God plucked me from this, you know, this side. So um, I think modeling that side of it and then understanding, um, having them understand that the door's open. Mm-hmm. So people have questions. This world is, if God is, if, if you were lucky enough and God chose you, right, which I truly believe, then he's, it, there's questions that come up. Mm-hmm. And for them to know that there's a safe place and somebody they can go to and ask the question in a business setting. So for us, we always say that you work for yourself but not by yourself. But also we're blessed enough to have a, a smaller community of, of believers. Mm-hmm. So just trying to have a group of people around them make the decisions daily to, to show them this is what we're going to do and then being okay with people interrupting you and asking those questions during the day when – you have 10 emails to send out and 25 phone calls to return. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, and that's, that echoes what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.12, be an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. So that's why holiness is important for many reasons, but for the reason of as those who work with us see that, it opens the door you know, spiritually for them to, to ask questions too. So good stuff. I think we can start to close yeah. with um, a challenge to the listeners. This is the question I came up with. If you guys got better insight, we can switch. We can audible. Um, but it's what role of service, and I say service, you can um, replace that with leadership. What role of service or leadership are you passing up because you believe you're incapable to do that? Or what role do you serve in now that you serve passively because you think you're incapable? Maybe you're already involved in something, but you're you're passively doing it when you could be, you know, mm-hmm. be more active, be more visionary, be more um, of a leader in that role. Uh, but you just think you're not there yet. Uh, and just ask yourself that. Ask your wife that, um, and really think through that. You know, where in my life right now am, am I avoiding? Because I'm sure everyone has a place that. Right. God could be calling to that they're ignoring right now. They're not willing to do that. And why is that? Yeah, I like that question. I'd say to sum it up, just where should you be leading that you're avoiding that leadership? Yeah. So um, maybe we can put that in so- on social media as well for people to see. Oh, yeah. What's social media? <laughs> you know. And are you truly willing to give up the things you need to give up to do it? Yeah, that's true. I think too many times people make decisions specifically in their professional lives, mm-hmm. more importantly in their spiritual lives, and it's by default. Just sit and think about it. And don't get scared by it because all of it's weighty, mm-hmm. but knowing you're not alone. Yeah. And I would say this, more times than not, when you write that list out of things that you'd have to give up to live out that leadership call that you just said, it's things you really don't want anyway. Mm -hmm. right i'll end with this the christian leader need not fear that care of the flock of god will be too heavy a burden by god's invitation the leader can transfer the weight of spiritual burdens onto shoulders bigger stronger broader and durable god cares for you let worries go and that was from oswald sanders paul thanks for thanks for your time today i know you're a busy man so yeah appreciate you thank you for having me all right loved it
Love you guys. Yeah. All Later. Right. Later. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Change Up Podcast. This podcast is made possible by The Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.